It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Upfront program. It is uh, Thursday morning, and uh, we um, are doing open line conversation today on a variety of topics. Hope you can uh, participate in the program. Would love to uh, hear from you. Joining us on Thursday, as he usually does, is Christopher Boulay, better known as Chris Boulay, through the rest of the program. He's in studio, and a good morning to you, Chris. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, listeners. It's great to be here. It's nice to have you here, and we will be here till 9 o'clock. And you are invited to be here either as a listener or as a listener-slash-participant. And uh, all you have to do uh, to do that is uh, one of two things. Call us or email us. Our telephone numbers are 769-0600-766-1380. Those are the local numbers, and that'll put you right through to the studio, and we'll chat with you on the topic of your choice. The other way is uh, to uh, send us um, a message up front at WNRI.com. I'm looking at that page right now. And the only emails I've got uh, on that page are from Chris Boulay. Chris, Chris uh, sends me emails to let me know a few of the topics that uh, could come up during the program. And, and he does have a few, and we're going to chat, chat with him about them. But, uh, again, we uh, extend that invitation to you to give us a call at 769-0600-766-1380. I'd like to begin the program with a commercial, if I can. And uh, last night um, we went, uh, Corinne and I, to Grumpy's, and I'd like to do a commercial for them because they had the $10 dinner specials last night at uh, Grumpy's, and I had Mussels Zupa Ober Pasta for $10. And this was uh, fresh mussels sautéed in their own sauce, uh, Zupa sauce. It's a seafood um, tomato-type sauce over pasta. And the reason I'm beginning the program with the commercial is to tell you how great a dish that was. It was superior, and I had a chance to... I um, talked to Brian uh, LaHousse uh, about it as he came out and said, hey, how do you like that? Uh, it's superior. $10 dinner specials are available Monday through Thursday at Grumpy's. Last night they had Smoky Mountain Chicken, Mussel Zupa over pasta. That's what I had. They had barbecued pulled pork quesadillas, chicken and broccoli scampi, and black and blue chicken. And I talked to uh, a good friend of ours, uh, Jack Nick's, Next table, and he had the chicken and broccoli scampi and said it was delicious. All for $10 tonight. They'll have a different menu for $10. But if you're looking for great dinner specials at uh, economical prices, you'll find them Monday through Thursday, 4 p.m. to closing. They're chef's specials. It comes out on a special piece of paper here called the $10 dinner specials. And you'll find them at Grumpy's on Pulaski Boulevard in South Bellingham. Open today at uh, noontime for lunch. And featuring the $5.99 luncheon specials, too, Grumpy's of Bellingham, a good restaurant. And um, my wife had one of the great Grumpy's burgers last night, and uh, she, was, um, she was completely satisfied, too. Hope to see you at Grumpy's real soon. All right, Christopher Boulay, Chris Boulay, what are we going to talk about today? What's on the top of your agenda? Well, one of the things, I don't think I sent you this email, but it's it's fresh news. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. The Senate, uh, United States Senate votes to advance the bipartisan infrastructure bill yes. as Democrats forge ahead with ambitious economic agenda. And this is uh, only to start the, really the debate, but this is the modest infrastructure plan, which is only half a trillion dollars as opposed to the four mm-hmm. trillion dollars that the Democrats want to spend. Um it was 72 to 32, 17 Republicans and all 50 Democrats voted yes. So it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but it was funny listening to uh, Senator Susan Collins from Maine this morning on, on your news, national news, talking about how we put aside our petty differences to, to bankrupt America together <laughs> and spend money that we don't have and to make this debt grow as, as fast as, as humanly possible so your children and your great-grandchildren will have to pay this debt back and they'll never be able to afford it. Now, as a financial person, not speaking for your company, but um, let's say that um, the Democrats uh, had their way and they got their four 
was four trillion, right? Yeah, I think right. it's like four point two trillion. Yeah, supposing that supposing it did happen and, and it went through, it, you know, with all that money out there in the economy and and uh, putting people to work and stuff like that, is that good for for investors, or um, or is the um, the scaled down thing to a half a trillion, or I don't know, I guess it was a half a trillion instead of four trillion, is that better for the economy or no opinion? <laughs> Well, I, I certainly have an opinion, and, and UBS and all the firms have an opinion. And I, I think you've got to bifurcate the difference between what's good for the market in the short-term economy versus the long-term economy. I mean, this is something I've talked about at nauseum, and I'm not the only one who focuses on it. There has to be some kind of uh, leverage in terms of how much money you want to borrow and always a country for us what you produce. I sent you another list which I don't I find interesting and other people may not it just talks about how you know the US is the world's largest economy and we can talk about what Joe Biden said uh, denigrating Russia but saying it in such a, a silly way. But we have a, a, a 20 a trillion dollar plus economy and it's growing at a pretty good pace recently but the debt is getting out of control. So the debt is going to be approaching $30 trillion, and $30 trillion is a lot of money, but if the economy was $50 trillion, it wouldn't be so bad. So you always look for that one-for-one, one, and now we're losing track of that. We're getting away from the fact, though, I think everyone listening understands that this debt is never going to get paid back. You know, we're never going to pay it back. Mm -hmm. And, you again, if you have a million dollars in the bank and you owe $20,000 on credit cards, well, you're fine. If you've got $1,000 in the bank and you owe $10,000 on credit cards, you're not fine. So you try to keep that one-for-one -one ratio. So short-term, Wall Street and the stock market loves this kind of infrastructure spending because, you know, it's going to increase wages, it's going to increase spending. We know of the $550 billion dollars Probably half of it's going to get wasted, just like the money for the for the coronavirus recovery. Half of it's getting wasted. City of Winsaka is getting forty million dollars, doesn't know how to spend it, and the ways that they should spend it, they're not allowed to spend it. So, short term, yeah, it's going to help the stock market. Long term, it's just terrible for the for for the American taxpayer. So, when we do go bankrupt as a country, it'll be in the hands of our great 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 grandchildren. I mean, because we're going to be long gone by then. So. So I guess a lot of the politicians say let's ride the uh, let's r ride the wave because by the time it catches up with us I'll be out of office and I'll be dead and I don't have to worry about it. Yes, and and again, not to say for the fourth time we probably are not going to go bankrupt and we're probably going to be okay if we can keep some kind of ratio of one for one. That's that's a, a fairly strong uh, leverage, but you look at uh, Italy; it's they're three and a half to one. You look at Japan; uh, they're they're three, they're three to one. So clearly, uh, once it gets out of hand, uh, it, it's just you're gonna we're gonna get buried, and then we're gonna have interest. And the other thing you you want to think about this: interest rates are at a, at a, basically an all-time low. The Fed just met and said we're gonna keep short-term interest rates again at zero. So. This deficit is growing despite very low interest rates. Once interest rates normalize to four, five, six percent for for a thirty-year uh, treasury bond, that you know, say four percent, that the interest to this country is going to be three and a half times as much as it is now. So we have a lot of things going our way, and we're just we're spoiling it by borrowing money we don't need, and it's not getting back in the economy, and we're getting away from the one-for-one -one ratio. So again, short term, yeah, everyone likes to see money pumped into the economy. Longer term, it's just not good for America. This is the Upfront program on WNRI. And um, all right, so we've introduced a topic, and we have a caller waiting. So we'll, uh, we'll do um, uh, a caller. We'll uh, take a call and then uh, do another topic and then maybe a commercial. All right. Hello there, and uh, welcome to our program. What's your message today? Thank you. I, I think Chris Boulay hit something that I I uh, mentioned on John Dion's show the other day. Rhode Island is much smaller than the state of New Hampshire. Agreed? Not not in terms of size. The, the populations are, are similar. I think that's yeah. what you mean. Yep. Okay. Now... There was an article in the June 25th Conway Daily Sun, and it, hundreds protest New Hampshire budget, state police called. 
Well, I guess they left 15 minutes after the state police got there. But you know what their budget is? A biennial budget. That's for two years, right? It's it's about half of ours. So Mm -hmm. it's about about half of of, of Rhode Island's. It's $13.5 billion. Yep. And that's for, for for two years, right? So for that's two years. Slice that in half. You're talking around six and a half, seven billion dollars per annum. Isn't that something? They have no state income tax. Um, you know, we're just driving people out of the state, and like you mentioned, I don't have any grandchildren, but people that have grandchildren, all that, they're going to be hurting terribly to meet all these uh, taxes to pay for all this federal and state things people better stop voting better well it's 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 right now in rhode island that this budget and it's a not officially high budget because of covid but let's just take the year before the rhode island spending ten thousand dollars for every man woman and child the national debt is about seventy seven thousand you know the the explicit debt not the implicit debt the direct debt's about $78,000 per person, while our GDP is about $67,000 per person. So if, if this money was ever called in, you know, it would wipe out the net worth of the United States. So, yeah. And then you can take Delaware. has a similar popula- population as, as Rhode Island, maybe a little bit more. And, again, their budget is half. We're not using our size to, to uh, benefit, no question about it. We just love to spend, 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 and <laughs> we, we we have a state tax, which you know we, we know directly from Dan McKee. He doesn't support it going away, and those are things that, that scare people away. The one thing that New Hampshire does have that was brought to my attention uh, by an attorney is that they have a high transfer tax on, on real estate. So they talked about increasing property taxes um, on higher income higher value property in Rhode Island, you know, calling it the, the Taylor Swift tax because she owns a $20 million Rhode Island estate down in, in Westerly. But if you tr- if you tax the transfers at a higher rate, that seems to be the thing that is not going to hurt the economy as much. So that's something that they have, and obviously they have other taxes. But, yeah, New Hampshire uh, is uh, seems to be much better run than, uh, than Rhode Island. Yes, in fact... I used to pick up the budget book for Conway. I haven't in a couple of years, but I noticed when I would look at their figures, they don't borrow much money to do anything. They save their money, and then they do a project. And uh, that way they're not paying all extra money and interest. Well, thank you very much. Well, as, as always, thank you for the call, and have a great day. Good day. You too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Another topic, sir, uh, before we uh, move on here on uh, the Upfront program? Well, the time, the precious time I got to spend with you in the green room before we go on the air, <laughs> we talked briefly about uh, Mayor Aloza and uh, the way he conducted himself uh, uh, towards our governor, Dan McKee, yesterday during the um, water fire um, ceremonies, which was, was unbelievable, and I made the comment to you, you did not respond, but i love to hear the listeners. Alorza uh, uh, knew that McKee was going to be there. Alorza has failed at pretty much everything in, in province. He's failed to help the pension plan. He's failed education. He's failed on police. He's failed on keeping people safe, and uh, so now he's blaming McKee, but he knew and, of course, he's term limited, so he can no longer be the mayor of Providence. He knew that McKee was going to be there, and I think he did this just for the cameras uh, to, uh, to accuse uh, McKee of hiding things for the, uh, for the school uh, contract, which turned out to be a lot of nothing. And I think it was orchestrated, but it still was embarrassing to actually have members of the state police keep the mayor of Providence away from the governor of uh, Rhode Island, and all I could think of is Alorza was just trying to give him, make him feel at home in Providence to be accosted by a thug in, de- in broad daylight. That's That seems to be the modus operandi in downtown Providence. What audience could Alorza be appealing to? Certainly not the teachers' union, uh, certainly not the police union, and certainly um, uh, there's a there must be a constituency that thinks that what he did was good. I just don't know who they are. Uh, how long have you known Dan? Forty years. Yeah. 
Uh, Dan McKee. Dan McKee. Well, yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> As he ever done anything to make anybody that upset, other than other than doing the charter schools. Yeah. I mean, I, I just thought it was orchestrated. I thought it was stupid, and if and regardless, uh, it it made him look bad. Alaza. Alaza. All right, let's take a call and then we'll take a break here on the upfront program. Your comments and um, good morning. Good, good morning. morning. Good morning. I would love to see. Luxury boats taxed like luxury cars. We have people coming into the state with huge or, or docking boats here, and the taxes. I think my little uh, pontoon boat is not much less. We want money. Let's start taking money from people that don't live in this state, and they're using it. And I don't blame them. If they don't have to pay high taxes, but but you, you've called a lot. Isn't the ultimate goal to lower taxes? And is it is it a false argument to say, "Oh, geez, let's let's tax everybody into oblivion"? Is is that really what you're saying? No, no. What I'm saying is this: when I buy a car, I'm taxed according to the value of the car. Not for much longer, but go ahead. Yep. All right. Oh, that's what they said for a long time. And as far as boats, it should be the same thing. Well, I, I disagree in, in the sense of, of this. For, for the longest time, Rhode Island did not tax clothing at all. And even our former treasurer paid, took money out of his own pocket, $10,000, and put up a, a bulletin board in downtown Providence on 95 saying, please stop in Rhode Island and spend your money here. We have no tax on clothing. So I disagree. I know what you're saying. And when you see somebody like Senator Kerry come in and save $455,000 on his boat by having it registered in Rhode Island, that, that kind of rubbed you the wrong way. But my personal philosophy is lower taxes and, and don't look for other ways because you, just, you give it to the Democrats, you're just going to spend it. That, that's my thoughts. Then you're going to have to do taxes across the board, which we don't. And the other little thing I'd like to throw out is we're top-heavy in this state as far as jobs. I call them spiff jobs. They're the giveaway, favorite jobs. We could do away and save a lot, especially on our state house level and other departments, to be very honest. I don't know what you're about to think about it, but I've seen it done. Oh, oh, People no, we, that we, are hired yeah. that aren't even competent for the job. And uh, we used to call one person the ghost because he only came in every now and then. And he was making in the six figures. Yeah, you can you can make a case in that the... the General Assembly budget, they pay these people about $15,000 a year plus free health care. The General Assembly budget's over $50 million. Is about, I think, 250 people who work there. So, yes, if you, if you look at it, and I think that was the juxtaposition that we just made, if you look at Delaware, New Hampshire, the budget's a half. And right now, in this coming budget, Rhode Island is spending 13000 for every man, woman, and child. And, and you can make a case that... Um, we should be annexed part of Massachusetts or Connecticut. But, yeah, I, my philosophy is don't say, okay, those people are under tax, therefore let's tax them more. Let's try to tax everyone less. And I think the more people have in their pocket, the more they're going to spend. But, uh, as always, we appreciate your call. Well, you have a good day, and uh, stay safe. You too. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. This is the Upfront Program on WNRI. I think it's um, commercial time. And um, we have um, a message from one of our sponsors, and uh, that is um, the CPA firm uh, here in Woonsocket, Kayer Kasha. Kayer Kasha, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick, 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kasha. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kayer Kasha to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having Having all the right answers. Scott McGee of Remax Properties brings his years of real estate experience to you, whether buying or selling. Check out this property currently on the market from the McGee team. 
All right, uh, we are going to Lincoln Street here in Woonsocket and at um, 369, uh, this uh, 1865 multifamily home, it's a two-family, is really uh, an exceptional value, meticulously maintained. I mean, everything is new inside. Each apartment has its own driveway for privacy and convenience. And and when you enter uh, each apartment, you're greeted with all new kitchen and granite and cabinets and new appliances. It's just a well-maintained piece of property inside and out, and plus the mechanics, you know, uh, like the heating system and so forth. You'll find this um, uh, quite the um, perfect property in terms of uh, purchasing and then just simply moving in and renting the uh, other unit. So uh, you can uh, have uh, part of your mortgage and taxes and insurances uh, paid by the other tenant. All right, Scott McGee would like to talk to you. 639-2906 is his telephone number. And uh, right now we introduce the voice. Doesn't have to happen often, but Larry Poitras is now speaking. Larry? Well, here's a question for you from Vern Rainville. Do you have frozen pipes or ice dams causing some damage to your home last winter? Well, this is probably covered by insurance. And did you know that you have two years to file a claim? Call Vern Rainville, the local adjuster that represents you, not the insurance company. Vern is a licensed public adjuster by the state of Rhode Island and will work for you to initiate a claim. You can call Vern Rainville today at 484 484- 384.95 for a free no obligation in-home consultation. All calls are returned in less than 24 hours. And I was on the phone yesterday with one of our listeners calling for Vern's telephone number and we we look it up for them and uh, and move it on to them. Somebody wanted to speak to Vern based on the advertisement here heard on the radio station. I don't like to put you on the spot Chris but uh, based on your visits here to WNRI, does anybody ever call you up and say, I'd, I'd like to talk finances? Yes, and uh, you, you, can, you can ask me anything, yes. It's, uh, I think if people who are looking to invest or may make a change or uh, looking to get a financial advisor, I think if they listen to me three or four times, they kind of know what I'm about. And I think, um, yes, it, it does work. And that's, what, that's what's supposed to happen, right? Yes, and it's exactly what happens every day over at Old Orchard Farm as we finish our last advertisement. And phones are busy here on the show. We have a million topics to talk about. So I'll uh, simply give you two native items that they have at Old Orchard right now. Native corn is absolutely delicious. You uh, put it in the microwave is what I do. Five minutes later, I've got a great air of corn. Local corn picked every day. And then um, Luke Fillion, the owner of Old Orchard, picks it up um, uh, just about this time and brings it to, um, to the farm stand. And the other thing are native tomatoes. And I mentioned those because uh, yesterday I had for lunch native tomatoes with um, some nice uh, romaine lettuce and some cheese on toast with a little mayonnaise and sliced onion. Absolutely delicious. Native tomatoes now available at Old Orchard Farm and Greenhouse. Those two are brought in on a daily basis. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Old Orchard Farm is on Old River Road in Manville Village. All right. Mr. Boulay, you here? I am. President accounted for. What should we do here? Well, um, I've, I've got plenty of topics, but we do have people holding. You so have people holding. Let's, let's go in a different direction, and hopefully they take us there. Okay, we're going to press two buttons here, and then we'll introduce another topic. Hello, your comments, please. Uh, my comments are, number one, you almost got me to call on the uh, Zupa over the macaroni, but I fought that. <laughs> but the lady that talked about the boats... I really am a populist. When I think of my... I have been complaining about the... You talk about lack of equity, inequity. I don't know what the difference between equality and equity is, and I, I'm too old to learn. <laughs> that There is something terribly, terribly wrong. And I remember they said, oh, the marina companies are going to go out of business, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry. If you can afford to own a boat, 
you can afford to pay some kind of tax on it where we are taxed to death on everything. I'm not saying we need to squeeze them, but I'm saying it does not make any sense that people who have, and I had a, a, a cousin who had a place on Goat Island, uh, actually my husband's cousin, I don't have any rich cousins, um, and uh, he, he had a condo on Goat Island, and he had a, just a small boat. I think it was about 60 grand, something like that, you know. I mean, everything is relative. But that is a glaring, in my opinion, it, it's something that makes people talk about how there are things that aren't equal. As far as the spending in the state, I am facing a dilemma because we had a little get-together yesterday, and we were talking about, well, I wasn't, but people were talking about the positions of various people running for governor. I, I, I don't know, Chris. I am at the point where I am, my mother's philosophy was just vote the opposite. Get the, the people who have, have power for years and years, get them out. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. And it may not be the intelligent thing to do, but I think it's, it's a politically viable thing to do. Yeah. So there's, there's where I'm at. And as far as uh, looking to you for financial, um, <clears throat> yes, I think people should. I think you have a lot of information, and you're very nice, and I need to talk to you again, I think, (laughs) because I'm never going to do what I originally thought I'd do with my little tiny, tiny nest egg, and I don't own a boat. I I could just about afford a paddle boat a few years ago. That was $700, and I paid sales tax on that sucker when I bought it. Anyway... Blah, 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 uh, cat lady is feeling the heat, not happy, you know. Thank you. The whole, the whole nine yards. Go, 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 go back on the gazelle and work it off. I am. I'm, that's exactly what I'm doing. Excellent. Which is, which is why I'm always in a pretty decent mood. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Button number two. Hello there. Welcome to our program. Your comments, please. Hey, good morning, guys. Good, good morning. morning. Uh, Chris. Did you have a chance? Maybe I missed it. I apologize if I did. Did you ever get a reply from General Treasurer Magazine regarding cut spending? I did not. And also, I emailed him this morning about what his position on face masks for children were, and I have not heard back yet. So I will follow up. But I did, um, I'm looking right now at this, this magical thing called an iPhone, and I do not have a response from him. But I, when I hear, I'll let you know, and I will, I will follow up with him. Because I also wanted to juxtapose his opinion on um, on face masks. I'm very upset with Dan, you know, going that way. As Roger pointed out, he no longer can make executive edicts. That was an emergency. But the children wearing masks again, um, where if you look at the CDC numbers, almost nobody uh, gets sick from COVID and dies as a child. And I think it's child abuse. But it is. A recommendation doesn't carry any weight. Well, that's the recommendation. Right, but I think mm-hmm. it's the wrong recommendation. The re- mm-hmm. If I was governor, my recommendation would be it's your child. The, the, the stats show that it's highly unlikely that unless there's an underlying condition that that child is going to get very, very sick from COVID, and I think it's a parental decision. And the more we become a nanny state, the more we take away the rights of the parents to make decisions that are in their best interest and that they decide as a husband or wife what's in best interest for the kids, I think we're, we're, we're pulled off. So I didn't like Dan's response at all about that, and I wanted to juxtapose it and see what Seth had to say. Um, and I'm going to go a little bit further. I didn't respond to the cat lady and have a chance, but... I try to take these people individually. You know, there's five um, offices of the, of the state. I think Nerona is more liberal than I would like. I think he's doing a great job. Um, I, I think um, uh, Nelly Gobia is a disaster. I'm not too thrilled with uh, McKee. Um, and it's too early for, um, too early for uh, Ms. Maddows. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I worked at Miller Electric in the asbestos department putting asbestos on wire. At the time, 
uh, the state came in, the Board of Health, and they said that it was it was the tiniest of fibers that get into your lungs that causes the cancer, lung cancer. So eventually uh, they closed the mill. Now, in these masks that these children are wearing, the tiniest of fibers are getting into their lungs. My prediction is that in the future you're going to see a lot of kids growing up, they're going to end up with lung cancer. Or they'll have uh, other breathing problems because they're, for, for the amount of time they're breathing in the, with those masks, they're bringing in the tiniest of fibers. You can't see them, but they're there. And I, I, I am seriously uh, upset about this government mandating that the children wear masks. I think, like you said, it's, first of all, the science says they should not be wearing a mask because of what you just said. But secondly, it's harmful to the health of the children. It, it is. And with this administration, you know, I try to be open-minded. I try to say positive things when they happen. But they're all over the place. First, they're not going to take the vaccine. First, the vaccine can't happen in a year, and Trump is a liar. Then all of a sudden, we have the vaccine, and we're not going to take it because it, it, Trump did it. Then all of a sudden, we're going to take it. And then all of a sudden, you have to take it, or we're going to stop you from traveling and getting a job in the federal government. And now masks are useless, then masks are helpful. Now, if you're vaccinated, you don't need masks. It, it, it's, a, it's a disaster. They couldn't do a worse job if they tried, and I've completely lost faith. I'm afraid I'm going to get arrested one day because I'm not going to wear a mask when I'm supposed to. Why I'm, do they I'm done with that. Why do they wear masks in surgical operating rooms anyway? Well, what's the purpose of that? I think they should remove them there too because that's a hindrance to, uh, to the doctors and, um, and to the nurses in there. I, I think we should remove masks from uh, surgery. Well, I think they've been wearing them in the past to prevent uh, contamination and, and germs and so forth, but um, I'm starting to think it's a waste of time well, there too. Well, Mr. Nobody t uh, hit a point on asbestos. Yeah. When, I, when, my fa when, when I worked with my father uh, putting in heating systems, we took out a lot of black and white boilers. They had asbestos, and I wore a mask. My father insisted I wear a mask because of the asbestos. Now, of course, so there, there's a time and a place. But when you're in a, you're not in an open wound situation. So I, I think that was a terrible analogy, Raj. But if you're not in an open wound situation, but you're 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 in a in a classroom with other kids, and and you're three feet apart, and, and you're making them wear masks, and you're dehumanizing them, and you're telling the parents they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Where we know better, it's a disaster, and it's the country is going in the wrong direction. In my opinion. I agree with you, Chris. And like you said, we were told to get your vaccination. This way you would not uh, get the COVID and you would not be able to spread it. Now all of a sudden, it doesn't make any difference if you got your vaccination. You're going to get COVID and you're going to spread it, so you have to wear a mask. It's, it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a total contradiction in terms as far as what the government is telling us. And now, after Valerie Jarrett, remember the name, Valerie Jarrett came out before the Biden administration said that they were going to demand and mandate vaccines be given to anyone that works for the government. Valerie Jarrett came out with that. So pay attention to who's running the government. Oh, no, no, in the background. No, no question about it. As I said before, good, bad, or indifferent. President Obama lives a mile and a half. He has a home in Washington. He's got one in Martha's Vineyard, but he's got a home a mile and a half from the White House. And uh, you know, for Freedom of Information Act, it'd be interesting to see how many times he's visited uh, the Oval Office and visited Biden. Clearly, those people are, are running the country. Biden, the other day, was trying to downplay his the Russian economy, and he says it's the eighth smallest in the world. No, 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 Mr. President, it's the 11th largest. He, he doesn't even have command of the most basic facts. No, she, by the way, Valerie Jarrett, lives in the same uh, building as Obama. She lives in a basement. She's a, a tenant of his, just, just, a, just a point of fact. But no, you're absolutely correct. Uh, President Biden, I think, will be replaced well, I said I thought he'd be replaced by June, but we're in July, and I don't think he has the capability of running the country. But he's the man in charge, so we have to deal with what we have. Yeah, we don't want to wish for his his, his failure, but this is very very disconcerting. And it is, and we are very even more concerned with the replacement. Yeah, when she stops giggling, maybe she can be taken seriously. Uh, um, uh, take a look at the Alabama lawsuit. It was brought up uh, earlier the week on. John show and take, take a look at that if you have a chance if it's still on the internet it's the Alabama uh, it's a lawsuit I forgot the exact title of it they're suing the federal government over the COVID and it, it lists the different reasons why and all the studies that have been done and the way that the the uh, vaccine 
uh, is attacking some of the platelets in your blood and causing problems to people who are healthy who are not healthy anymore. It's a it's a personal decision. I I, I you know my, my kids are adults. They took it. I, I I took it. I gave it a lot of thought. But for somebody a woman who's childbearing age who's expecting or is uh, is you know wants to get pregnant. Certain people who have health issues. We've talked about it. That that young lady who had her scholarship taken away from BYU Hawaii because she didn't want to take the vaccine and it was gonna you know could kill her. It, it just it just. There's a constitution for a reason. We're not special people in America. We're not more special than the rest of the world. We're special because of our government and the way we structured our constitution and our Bill of Rights, and, and we need to respect it. Thank you so much for the call. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for the time. I took it because I like needles. Well, I love needles, but right. that, that's neither here nor there. And also because the government recommended it, and I always do what the government recommends, <laughs> including paying my taxes every quarter. All right, now, uh, let's uh, do another phone call, and, sure. then, um, and then we'll um, do something else. Hello. Um, good morning. I should like to make a couple comments, please. We should yes. like to hear them. Thank you so much. Um, first of all, I want to talk a little bit. You were talking earlier about the size of rounds and our government and uh, indebtedness versus other states. And, you know, one of the problems that I think that is very evident in Rhode Island is we have a state that's run by an oligarchy, much like the oligarchs in Russia, in that there's a there's a group of people that are just in charge, and they're all related, and they all know each other, and they all look out for each other, and there's an awful lot of patronage jobs, and that's where the money's all going, and that's where the contracts are awarded, and that's how the contracts are awarded. So there's there's a huge problem behind all that. And, you know, I haven't lived in around my whole life, but I've been watching things and seeing how things are going and I'm thinking to myself, why should a simple bridge repair take two to three years? Why isn't it done in three months? Why are, why are the roads falling apart when we spend a fortune in road repair? Is it because maybe substandard materials being used, but we're paying for first quality material? And the list goes on and on and on. And as far as the vaccine and the mandating of it goes, you're absolutely right. It's been total confusion. There's no science behind any of this. It's just chaos. And I will give you a personal example. I got the vaccine. I felt that I was being put as a citizen in a position where I had to get the vaccine in order to be fully mobile and part of society eventually because I could see the vaccine passport idea being pushed. So I got the vaccine and then a week later had a heart attack. And then now I have to have um, heart surgery. So yeah, did, did the vaccine cause it? No. Did it aggravate it? I don't know. But the reality is, is that's the truth. And that's the truth for a lot of people. And I don't believe this is good or healthy for the children. I think if we were meant to wear masks, we would be born like a baleen whale with a filter in our mouth instead of being able to breathe freely. So this is absurd. This whole thing is totally absurd. And we're being fed um, a big heaping plateful of lies and contradictions. And if the people who were woke were really woke, they'd be paying attention to what's really going on and understanding that we are being run by a group of oligarchs and not by the Constitution. Well, Thank you very much. You, you bet. Thank you so much. Uh, my comments on that is that uh, I think, you know, Thomas Jefferson's, uh, I think it goes before him, but I love the phrase, the government you elect is the government you deserve. And we know fully where Dan McKee stands on things like the estate tax. It brings in less than $25 million per year in, in the state budget of $13 billion. And it's it's a tax that it keeps many, many people uh, from staying in Rhode Island. They don't want to die here. They'd rather die in Texas or Florida where there is no estate tax or, or, or South Carolina. And those wealthy people leave. So who leaves? The makers leave and the takers come. And it's a lack of leadership by people like Dan that they can't sell that and say, look, let's look at the numbers here. Even if, he, even if he's got the guts to do it after the election, if he, if he gets reelected, hey, people, let's look at the numbers here. This 
this estate tax brings, brings in $25 million. We see who's leaving Rhode Island, and if you just do the analysis, we're losing, you know, $400 million in, in, in tax revenue. I'm just using, making that number up. It's an obvious thing. And uh, Dan's lack of ability of selling that, and he's not the only one, but that's an example that I think holds our state back. And those are little things that can be fixed and uh, they're just not being done because nobody's got the political courage to do it. We're going to take one more call and take a break here on the Upfront program. Let's press this button and see what you have to say. Hello there. Hi. First Hi. of all, yeah. okay, I I didn't realize how soon it was going to be, and I was in Walmart, that you could actually get in and buy a COVID-19 te antibody test. I believe I saw it. But thinking that it wasn't available, I went and got the COVID-19 shot. And a week later, my arthritis flared up real bad. And I found out that um, apparently they knew... 5% of the people with arthritis would get flare-ups, and 1% would get severe flare-ups, and that wasn't made public. Then when I went for physical therapy, I found out, you know what, they told me in the physical therapy, that's not your imagination, yeah, we've, we've had a, a thing where, yeah, people are getting flare-ups of their arthritis because of the COVID-19 vaccination. And a matter of fact, it's something that not general knowledge is, there's a lot of vaccines that cause your arthritis to flare-up. They don't really mention that. That's first of all. Second of all, I agree with the other call about this oligarchy thing. Because back when they came out with the new fire safety laws, they had a um, provision put in by one of our congressmen, state congressmen, down in Warwick. They put in a provision saying you didn't have to have a hardwired smoke detector system you could have ones that were radio-linked, and that would cover you. So we put radio-linked ones in the house where I live right now. And someone says something out of hand when we were talking to um, zoning officers, which I believe zoning is a bigger cr criminal organization than the police ever were. If we're going to defund someone, we need to defund zoning. But they said, oh, yeah, those, those things aren't, they're not legal anymore. So I went, well, wait a minute, let me go look at the statute. And when you look at the statute, the statute has a statement saying everything in this section shall be supported by this section, and then it refers to this board, this fire safety board. And that's it. There is nothing else in the statute. Everything else has been repealed. It, the bottom line is we have a statute that says, see the fire safety board, they're in charge now. Yeah, you mentioned that before. Before we go, what, what, year, did, what year was that uh, changed? I don't know exactly what year it was changed, but I, I do know this. So when I talked to John about it, he said, you know, the, the thing is, if you take and get a heavy, if you really got lots of money and get a real heavy-duty lawyer, you can fight it on the basis that you're dealing with a board and it's not a statute anymore. The trouble is, the average guy they're going to come after, he didn't have the money to go after them like that. You go to an average courtroom on yourself, by yourself trying to offend yourself, and the board's going to come in, the judge is going to... Um, side up with the board, and you're not going to get anywhere. No, no, and the bottom line is that is towards that whole oligarchy thing where they're taking things that were in statute that anybody could look up and see, and they're moving it to a board that controls it. And I believe that new green deal that we're going to have where we all have to c cut down carbon, your carbon footprint, right? That's yep. not really going into a whole bunch of statues either, isn't it? Isn't that all going to a board? Yep, I, 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 I think... I think it's a I think it's an, a, an appropriate leap that you're making when and you brought that to our attention before and I think it is an appropriate uh, leap to you can't have boards you got to have laws. Thank you so much for the call. Appreciate well, and, it. And we're getting and we need to get in to get people in the state who will put the law back in the law books instead of putting it into a bunch of boards that aren't elected. It's a great example. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate. This is the Upfront program. Hey, it's uh, break time. We're back in a moment after this. Step back in time at Pass Down in Time Antiques and Collectibles, Socket's newest antiques store. From vintage to mid-century, 
from rustic to Victorian. You're sure to find items that will bring back wonderful memories, like wood crates, tens, viewmasters, books, and small furniture. Passed down in time, located across from City Hall on Main Street, Woonsocket. Open Tuesday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Passed down in time, where antiques of yesteryear reveal their stories today. That little red truck is all over the area. It belongs to A&R Trailer Rentals. We have 45-foot storage trailers for rent or lease and 20-foot ground-level containers available. We also offer leasing with option to buy. We specialize in household and commercial storage for the public. And if you're looking for a place to store household items while remodeling or renovating, look no further. We have your temporary storage needs available for a fraction of the cost of a storage facility. Call Al Gagnon today, 766-1919, and he'll take care of you. For your lawn and garden, we can deliver Wright's Farm Cow Manure. Or you can select an organic mix, which is lab-tested by the University of Maine for your lawn and garden, along with gravel, sand, clay, stone dust, and mulch, all delivered to your property. Al Gagnon's Little Red Truck will bring it to you. For information, call Al at 766-1919. That's 766-1919. Time out for Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Champs reintroduces flip-flop wines. And listen to this. We have two bottles of flip-flop for $10, including Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Pink Moscato, Regular Moscato, Chardonnay, and Pinot Grigio. Again, two bottles for $10. Mix and match. Still on sale. Tisdale Wines from California in six varieties, including Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and Moscato choices. And yes, it's two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyard's quality wine experiences. And we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light 30-pack. 2647 plus tax. New hours for the convenience of customers 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily. So, for a great selection of beer, wine, and spirits, you can count on Champs Liquors. 481 Clinton Street. Have a question? 765-1800 and speak to Mike the Manager. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. The panel has reconvened. Another topic out there uh, that you sent to me. I'll read the headline, huh? Yep. It says, Washington, D.C. Mayor announces plan to hire 170 additional police officers amid crime spike. That must be a mistake, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's Is not, that a mistake? It's not a mistake. And I've said this. I try. I have very strong opinions. Obviously, I get to share them once or twice a week with you. I try to keep a very open mind about many things. One thing, when soon as somebody starts talking about uh, defunding the police, uh, anything else they say it, to me doesn't make any sense. That's zero credibility. So Washington, D.C. City Council, uh, in the last year, jumped on the Black Lives Matter movement and pushed for defunding the police. And they voted to take out $23 million out of its budget. Actually, I had to read this again. I missed this the first time that the mayor publicly opposed. So I'm not um, throwing the mayor under the bus here. But the mayor is hiring 170 police officers. The crime is out of control. And the city council, this mayor is trying to undo some stuff that the city council did. And then Washington... It's just going down the tubes. I'm sure many listeners heard about a week or two ago there was a gunfight outside the Washington Nationals game. And obviously um, it, there's a lot of violent crime going on, and this mayor is trying to stop it. But this mayor has also publicly supported Black Lives Matter and supported some of their, um, uh, their arguments, and one of them is defunding the police. I just want to read uh, that um, ballpark incident was well um, publicized, but in the story that uh, you sent me, there was another shooting, a brazen shooting in an upscale uh, Logan Circle neighborhood in Washington. Now, Logan Circle is pretty much like Federal Hill or pretty much like the north end of Boston. And what happened is that the restaurant uh, with the shooting going on sent hundreds of patrons who were in the restaurants dining, paying like 65 bucks for a steak, patrons fleeing in all directions. And as a result, um, 
the people in that upscale neighborhood at Logan Circle in Washington, they're outraged <laughs> about what is going on. And um, looks like the mayor is finally responding. Now the question is, you hire 170 new police officers, uh, do you uh, direct traffic with them? Or, uh, you know, are you going to send them on the street to fight uh, these uh, thugs? And, and that'll be the next question. And if they do apprehend a thug and something unpleasant happens, will we be back to square one in Minneapolis? And how are you going to recruit these people? You've made being a police officer such a lousy job where you're, you can't even protect your life. You have split-second decisions, and they've done that. They've taken individuals, sent them to police academies, and put them in uh, scenarios where they have to make a life-or-death decision, and if you're not trained to do it, you, you end up getting shot or you make the wrong, or you end up shooting an innocent person. So we've got to make sure that we bring back the respect that we have. Think about back in September 2001, how we honored our firefighters, honored our police officers, and many of them gave their lives to help out their fellow citizens. And we've got to come back to that to some extent because we will not be able to recruit the best and brightest to become police officers. All right, we'll get a caller in here. At least we'll be able to get your topic underway. Uh, what's your comment, please? Good morning. Thank you so much. I'll condense what I wanted to say. Um, I saw an really fabulous program that I highly encourage both of you and any of you listeners to listen to. It is uh, a gentleman named Austin Ruse, R-U-S-E, who wrote a book called Under Siege, and he uh, is from the Center for Families and Human Rights at 9.30 this morning, and you can catch it on the EWTN station because it's EWTN Dot live is the name of the program. He gives you answers for all of these questions like, why is this happening? Why is that happening? It was so interesting. It would be, I think, a half an hour is, uh, I think, is what it was. And it was extremely enlightening, and I think you would uh, enjoy uh, a well-spent period of time. Uh, you can catch it on Channel 22 on Cox or online, uh, I see. Uh, that on my laptop. So thank you. Thank you for your call. Appreciate it. Bye -bye. All right. A topic to at least introduce and get me thinking over the weekend uh, before we leave, sir? Well, I think regular listeners know, and you know how highly I think of Tucker Carlson. On his show last night, he had information directly that the NSA, through an internal memo, admitted that they were tracking him and for, for no reason. They unmasked him and only because he's trying to get an interview with Vladimir Putin, which as a journalist he has a right to do. And so they were reading his texts, they were reading his emails, they listened to his phone calls. It's very un-American, and somebody's got to step up and stop this kind of thing. How do you know they're not tracking you uh, based on some of your comments, huh? They could be. <laughs> okay. Have a good day, everybody. We'll see you next time on the Upfront program. Tomorrow, John Brian takes this over. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Woonsocket.